Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Earth 2 Podcast, the podcast that explores the origins and development of the DC Comics multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters through the Silver and the Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. Almost slightly under protest here today. <laughs> it's a tenuous one, if you ask me. Nonsense. We return to the pages of The Flash this week. I bet you're surprised, listeners. I was surprised that we'd be back with the pages of The Flash this <laughs> soon. Issue 209, published on the 20th of July, 1971. Peter's going to tell you about the cover. It's a lovely dark cover. Again, it's that strange period where there's not a proper DC logo in the top left corner. We've got The Flash running towards us, and underneath, in plain text, it's DC The Flash. At the very top, it says, Extra, a new Kid Flash super speed story. And the top right corner is a circle that says, Only 25 cents, bigger and better. Right beside the approved by the Comics Code Authority stamp. And the main image in the cover is <gasps> the Flash. It looks like he's dead. He's lying spread eagled on the ground. And above him are Captain Boomerang and the Trickster. Boomerang's holding a boomerang up in the air as if he's going to throw it down at the Flash. The trickster seems to have some sort of fancy gun that he's pointing at the Flash. Yeah, he looks like he could ice a mean cake, doesn't he? Yes. <laughs> and rising up from the Flash seems to be his ghost. Mm. And Captain Boomerang saying... We did it. Killed the Flash. And the ghost of the Flash appears to be saying... Wrong. And I've got to find my real killer. Or stay dead. There's a real dead man vibe to that, isn't there? Yes. It looks that's like the dead man leaving a body. Mm. Yeah. And at the very bottom of the cover, it says, Extra Special, a Flash Classic, The Elongated Man's Undersea Trap. It's a very interesting cover. It's by this cover by Dick Giordano, which you can see his initials in the bottom left-hand corner. Boomer's casting a shadow which falls over the Flash's crotch. And I remember running about the time that Marvel's come out, someone wrote into Wizard, I think it was, to address Mm -hmm. Alec Ross and Kurt Busiek and sort of said, There's a panel that shows Cyclops standing and his hand casts a shadow which falls over Jean Grey's mid-area. Is that supposed to suggest... Cyclops having some kind of sense of possession and some kind of you know relationship with Jean Grey, and they basically said yes. So I'm wondering if this is suggesting <laughs> that Captain Boomerang's really into Barry Allen. <laughs> Only one way to find out. Yes, we shall leap into this this story. Our opening page. It's not a full splash panel. There's a large panel at the top which has the Flash in big letters, and then it says in, and then we get the title of the story, which is Beyond, Beyond the, the Speed, Speed of, of Life. Life. A little scroll tells us that... Story, Carrie Bates, pencils, Irv Novik, inks, Dick Giordano. In this opening panel, we can see the Flash lying face down in the desert, it looks like. You can see his costume's a little damaged, he doesn't look too happy. Running towards him are Captain Boomerang and the Trickster, making their first appearances in the podcast in a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. Captain Boomerang is saying, Up ahead, Trickster. Looks like the Flash is still groggy from his super-fast skid. Let's move in. Get him while he's down. Next panel, it sounds like we're looking up at the two rogues as Boomer says, Now, to unleash the overkill weapons we designed for this moment. Wait a sec, Captain Boomerang. Something's wrong here. I don't like the look of our flashy foe. And Trickster kneels down and sort of closely examines the Flash and he says, We've been robbed. What do you mean? The Flash is dead. Yep. Trickster moves back. Boomer has taken off his hat immediately in, in reverence. Yes, this is very unexpected. What a cold open. Mm. First panel of page two is quite large. Flash is still lying dead in the, in the dust. Trickster and Boomer looking down at him. And some captioning says, 
You may have recognized Captain Boomerang and the Trickster, two of the numerous costumed rogues who make a profession out of brazen crimes and personal warfare with the Scarlet Speedster. Now, after years of failure and capture, they finally accomplished their murderous goal. The Crimson Comet lies motionless, his life abruptly, inexplicably snuffed out. So, a pause in the narrative here and the caption says, How does the life of a superhero come to an end? Let's back up six minutes on this fine summer morning to the home of Mr. and Mrs. Barry Allen. Yes, and we see Barry. I cannot get used to Barry having his long 70s hair. <laughs> I love it. Barry and Iris. Iris is drying a plate. It's a nice domestic scene for you there. Barry's fastening, it looks like he's fastening his shirt cuffs. And should point out, Barry's wearing a very smart blue suit and what appears to be a pink shirt with black stripes. Very similar mm. to all those orange shirts with black stripes that we've been seeing recently on the podcast. Barry is saying, thanks for the breakfast, Iris. I've got to get going now. Late for work as usual? Well, give me a kiss first. And Iris is puckering up, but there's a pop sound effect, which suggests that the Flash has kissed and gone, and indeed he seems to be vibrating out the wall in the next panel or out the door at least, as Iris watches him go and says, Hmm, I've heard of husbands who have to eat and run, but this is ridiculous. Gosh, <laughs> let's keep it PG-13. Yes. Anyway, nice aerial shot, first panel of page three, the Flash zooming through the streets, thinking, had no time to tell Iris, but suddenly I received a mental picture showing where two of my arch foes are. So it was switched to Flash and hot pursuit. Second panel. Appears to be running through some kind of more open area. See some plants, some rocks. He's thinking, last week Trickster and Boomerang broke jail together, and I've been on the lookout for them ever since. Now, mysteriously, I have an ESP vision of them, which I've got to check out, even though it could be leading me into a trap. And at this very instant... Yes, we see Trixer and Boomerang in the desert, standing outside a tent. So they're obviously on a nice camping holiday. Yes. That's good. Trickster is saying... At least we don't have to worry about Flash finding us while we're holed up in these desolate badlands. Trouble is, we can't get to Flash either. We'll never annihilate our mutual foe from here. We're over 500 miles from Central City. And in the next panel, Boomerang looks very surprised, distracted. Trickster does the same. Boomerang says... Trickster, something's clicking in my head. All of a sudden, I see Flash coming this way at super speed. M me too. We must be in the same wavelength. Caption for the next panel. The roguish duo responded quickly, guided by what they did not know. Yeah, they duck down between a couple of rocks. We can see the Flash accelerating towards them in the background. Trickster says, Hey, what made us crouch behind these boulders? I don't know, but Flash is almost here. I can sense it. You can see the flash approaching closer in the background. And Trickster says, We're holding a rope. Where? How? Yeah, and they appear to be holding, it's almost like Wonder Woman's lasso, powered by Green Lantern's <laughs> yes, power beam uh -huh. energy. Holding that between them, Boomerang answers saying, It's now a trick, Trickster. This is starting to make sense. Someone's helping us to rub out our enemy. And then, in the first panel, page four, as the flash gets closer still, Trickster says, I'm getting the mental impression Flash will be here in a split second. Right out, says Boomer. Start pulling tight. And indeed, they pull the rope tight. The next panel is probably going to go in the socials because the Flash zooms up, collides with the rope, goes flying, and as all this is happening, he thinks, saw rope too late. No time to slow down. He seems to go flying out the other end of the panel. Trickster and Boomerang watch him go. Trickster says, Look at him go. At that speed, no telling how far Flash will skid. Stop glowering and start following. 
By the time he slides to a stop, he'll be banged up. Groggy, this is our chance to put our finishing touch to the Flash. Now, we arrive at the top of page five. We see the Flash he appears to be tumbling over himself and surrounded by a sort of... I don't know, there's a weird sort of sense of other motion. Almost like he's being swept along or else he's been encircled by something. It's odd. The captioning says, What you see now is the capsized form of the fastest man alive, hurtling out of control at eye-blurring speed. The other form you see cannot be described or conceived in physical terms. It is not of our world. It is beyond the comprehension of the living. The next panel, it's almost like it's a weird sort of sense of silhouette, almost of like, I don't know, a car a with a car. fin. Yeah, yeah it's huh? very, very odd. It's almost mm. like Barry's been dragged along in its wake. There's another caption then for panel two. It accelerates beyond the sound barrier, the light barrier, and that's only the beginning. So as he's being dragged along behind, the Flash is thinking, I'm caught up in the backwash of the strange craft, being pulled along with it. And the caption for panel three. Faster, faster. Ever faster! And again, there's a definite sense of a shape of some kind of vehicle. It seems to be accelerating through the desert, or at least it looks like the desert. Flash is still being drawn along and he's thinking, This thing, attaining incalculable velocities, even I could never hope of matching. And it's still accelerating! Until vessel and victim rend asunder a dark intangible barrier on the very limits of our existence. Yes, it's almost like there's a column of black light. It's the only way I can describe mm-hmm. it. Surrounded by a sort of green aura. And the shape looks even more like an aeroplane, actually. is passing through this green aura, still dragging Flash along behind it. And Barry is thinking, we're passing into something. Unlike anything I've ever experienced before. Which takes us to the top of page six and the first panel, which shows the Flash running through a very Steve Ditko-esque yes. cosmic Legopolis. background. Uh-huh. Yes. Lots of circles and shapes and different colours against a black background and a big burst of white energy as well. And we see indeed the Flash is running along with this blue shape beside him. Flash is saying, where am I? How can I be running on nothing? And then this blue shape beside him says, Because your physical laws do not apply in my realm, we have broken through the life barrier and are now moving faster than the speed of life. You mean speed of light? No. Speed of life, the ultimate speed at which living beings can exist, and we have surpassed it. Yes, and it's another wider shot of some cosmic nonsense, for want of a better way, putting out lots of globes and planet shapes and weird round shapes floating around, loads of clouds, very interesting. And we can see in panel two that there's a definite vehicle shape to this creature, this weird thing that Barry's with, and Flash replies saying, But I am still alive, I hope. Who are you? Exactly where is this place? In the next panel, this odd, metallic-looking creature replies, We are beyond the bounds of your universe, beyond what you call outer space, and I am the Sentinel. It is my duty to patrol outside the rim of the universe. Flash looks very puzzled in the final panel of page six as he says, What you tell me is mind-staggering. For ages, man has wondered if there's something else even bigger than the seemingly endless void of outer space. Believe me, Flash, there is, and you are in it. A tiny caption tells us we're continuing the second page following, and we pass a full-page advertisement for Skittle Baseball. Listeners, did you have, etc., write in, let us know, etc., etc. The first panel of page seven. Meanwhile, back on Earth. Yes, we appear to have caught up with the opening page of the story, which I now think took place after the Flash had tripped over the rope and, mm-hmm. and they went after him. It's all a bit non-linear, very, very clever. 
who basically flashes face down in the desert, damaged his uniform, Trickster kneeling down beside him, Boomerang with his hat off, Trickster saying, It doesn't figure, Boomerang. In the past, Flash survived our most ingenious death traps. Always managed to come out alive, even when the odds were stacked against him. Yes. It seems strange he didn't survive a simple fall. You'd think Flash could have tried any number of super speed stunts to pull out of his slide without being badly hurt, yet he died. Trickster's hand. The next panel reaching towards the Flash's mask, and he says, Well, I've been dying for years to find out what Flash looks like under that cowl, so... And then Boomerang kicks him away, panel three, saying, You disgust me, Trickster. Have you no respect for the dead? What good will knowing his secret identity do you now? Hey, you didn't have to kick me. We may be criminals, but we're not heathen savages. The Flash lies dead at our feet. Isn't that enough? You boomerang boob! You talk like you personally cut down the Flash, like it was all your plan. And are squaring up to each other next panel, shouting in each other's faces. Trickster continues, Have you already forgotten someone else tipped us off Flash was coming and put that rope in our hands? You and I were merely pawns obeying mental orders. Maybe so, but no one else is around, so I'm in charge. No, I am. Final panel of page seven. A very hairy hand has appeared at the side of the panel, points out, and they both react in surprise as this voice off camera says, You're both wrong. Interesting. In the first panel of page eight, we're back with the Flash and the Sentinel, running through their weird Ditko-esque, Eternity-esque almost, mm. cosmic outer space, outer universe background. Flash is saying, Let's, Let's say, say I, accept I accept all you've, all you've told, told me. me. Now, now what? what? Why, have Why have you removed, removed me from, from my world? world? You were the fastest man on Earth, Flash. I trust, I trust your, your reputation has been well deserved. deserved. As, As for... And then we're interrupted, the caption for panel two. Abruptly, a tumult of catastrophic intensity disrupts the Sentinel's eerie realm. Yes, and it basically looks as though some of the circular things that have been floating about are flying towards them. It's not very clear, but the Flash says, must, must be some, some sort, sort of disturbance, disturbance up ahead. Much worse than that. We're about to confront a horrendous menace. I can't describe it. I just call it the Devourer. And then the next panel, it looks like the Flash has been knocked off his feet and is just being dragged along in the wake of the Sentinel. There's lots of these little multicoloured outer space planet balls or whatever mm. they are flying around mm. striking them. And the Flash says... The Devourer? So this is why I've been taken for a ride. To fight this thing for you. Not just for me, Flash. For the survival of your own race. Because the Devourer is eating its way into your universe. And listeners, it's Lombard Street to Ninepence that this panel's going on the socials. And that's me quoting Tanza Wing Chang there, you see. I see. Okay, go. Because the Devourer is revealed. It's a giant rat. It's almost like there's a wall <gasps> of these like outer space meteorite planet-shaped gobstoppers and it's eating its way through creating a bit of a hole so we can see space beyond the flash reacts saying what but over the page to page nine and in true edgar rice burroughs interrupting the narrative style we're back on earth the caption for the first panel says at that moment on earth boomerang and trickster are confronted by very helpfully captain boomerang tells us what we're seeing here or rather who and he cries grod the super gorilla we should have known You've waged a grudge fight against the Flash even longer than us. Trickster cries. It was you who used your awesome mental powers to force us to carry out your plan and trip up Flash. But why us? And a very grinny-faced Grodd. This is Grodd's first appearance on the podcast, isn't it? It is, yes. 
I Interesting. Yes. Weird that it's taken this long for Grodd to turn up. <laughs> True, yeah. Anyway, Grodd gets a big speech in panel two where he says, I am vastly superior to all humans, including Flash. Yet, he's always defeated me in the past by some uncanny stroke of luck that saved his life. So, with my force of mind power, I lured Flash here and manipulated you simpletons to tackle him for me. He continues in the next panel, as Boomerang and Trickster look appalled. That way, if something went wrong, Flash would be taking two costumed idiots to jail instead of me. I expected you'd kill Flash with those toy weapons of yours, but, ironically, the fall did him in. The two rogues react in the next panel. They don't look too happy at all. Boomerang lifts one of his trademark tools and cries, Simpletons? Costumed idiots? Who does that big egg think he is? Let's show Grodd what these toy weapons can do. In the final panel of page nine, Grodd grabs them both and smashes their heads together, saying, I don't need force of mind to take on the likes of you. Top of page 10, we're back with the Flash and the Sentinel. Sentinel really does have a rocket ship shape here. The Flash looks as though he's vibrating. Flash, open mouth, cries, Sentinel! The menace is a gigantic rodent? Really? Well, I see it as something else. The Devourer plays tricks with the mind. It has no shape of its own. It picks mental images from our brains and reflects them back at us. In the next panel, the Devourer has shifted in shape. And Flash comments on this, saying, Yes, yes. Now, now I see I the see Devourer as a gigantic, gigantic flamethrower. Flame and sure enough, there's a big burst of flame coming out of a gadget. Flash continues, Anything, Anything else, else you can, can brief me on? Only that my defences can't cope with it. It's up to you. Destroy the Devourer with your fantastic speed, or it will consume the universe. Grimly, the Flash bolts forward as a blur of streaked crimson. Yes, and we see the Devourer is now taking on the shape of, a, of an accelerating ram. Gosh. Seems to be charging into whatever it is that Devourer is trying to destroy. Flash is observing this and he thinks, Might as well start off with a direct frontal attack. Determine how the Devourer takes a super speed barrage of Flash fists. Final panel of page 10. Things don't seem to go quite as the Flash planned as he thinks, oh, Didn't expect this. I'm passing clear through the thing. And it looks like the Devourer's just turned into a big orange and yellow cloud. Barry continues to think, better try a different tactic. In the first panel of page 11, the Devourer has now taken on the form of a large Tyrannosaurus Rex-style dinosaur. And it still seems to be eating away at the wall of whatever it is, the wall into the universe, presumably. Flash is running around them, in traditional Flash running around, trying to create a sort of Cyclone-type style. And as he does this, he thinks... Whipped up a terrific whirlwind of molecular energy to blow the Devourer apart, but nothing's happening. Super speed must be the counterweapon to the Devourer, but I still haven't found the right way to utilize it. The Sentinel said, Physical laws I'm familiar with don't apply here. Maybe that's why my standard speed attacks have failed. I'll try some silly, meaningless stunts and see what happens. And so we have a caption for panel 3. With astonishing rapidity, Flash runs through thousands of varying motions in seconds. Yes, it appears that the Devourer has once again changed shape. It looks as though it's like a giant dentist drill or a giant yeah. pile driver. Designed by Jack Kirby, yeah. It's very odd. Flash is rushing around it anyway and he's thinking, Somersaulting forward is out. I'll reverse direction and tumble backward. If that fails, I'll jump up and down in the same spot. And the caption for the final part of the page 11 says, Then, a startling surprise for the Scarlet Speedster. Yeah, as he jumps up and down in a spot, Flash is thinking, I have a hunch this will do the trick. But then he notices that the, well, 
that the devourer has altered its shape once again. As the Flash looks and thinks, the creature's suddenly taken on the appearance of Iris. And we see a giant Iris Allen, who's looking at the Flash like she's appalled. Flash continues to jump up and down, thinking, it seems to be in agony. Must accelerate my up and down motion. And then we're at the top of page 12. Faster and faster moves the Flash, like a human piston. Yep, Flash jumping up and down in a spot. As he does so, he thinks, this illusion is tearing me apart, like killing my own wife. The Devourer is making it tough for me, deluding me I mustn't let up. And it looks as though the Devourer is being affected, almost like the giant Iris is praying for him to stop. And then it's almost like she's giving up and stretching out on the ground. The Flash continues to think, no logical reason on Earth why this action should destroy the monster. But then this isn't Earth. And it does seem to be working because Iris lies flat out on the ground and just seems to dissolve. Yes. Sentinel reappears the next panel saying, You did it, Flash. Made the devourer devour itself. Skip the compliments. Just get me back to Earth. Maybe give us an explanation. <laughs> Very well. But uh, I'll tell you later. All oh, right, you must have heard me. <laughs> Terrific caption for the next panel. Again, the Sentinel whisks its scarlet-clad passenger across undreamed-of realms. Yep, just another shot in long distance of the weird-shaped, rocket-shaped Sentinel dragging a flash along in its wake. In the next panel, we seem to be back in the desert, and the flash, well, he seems to be doing a very good Sue Storm impression, as he says, What's, What's happened, happened to me? To me? I, can I can see, see right, right through, through myself, 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 as if I were a phantom. phantom. And off-camera, we hear another voice saying, Bah! I could squash you both like insects, but I have a better idea. You'll exterminate each other. And then the first panel of page 13, we see Phantom Flash, as it were, as a callback to B&B 72, <laughs> standing with the also translucent form of the Sentinel, and they can see Gorilla Grodd addressing Trickster and Boomerang. Grodd is saying, Inferior criminals like you don't deserve to live. Barry's taking everything in at this point, and then he notices and says, Great, Great stars! stars. Gorilla Grod, and, and he's carrying, carrying my, my body. body! I am sorry, Flash. Your mortal form wouldn't have survived travel beyond the speed of life. So I had to draw out your psychic self for our journey through the life barrier. Then I'm dead? Doomed to spend an eternity as a drifting phantom? In the next panel, Grod addresses Boomerang and the Trickster. Trickster is pointing his gun at Boomerang. Boomerang has a, a boomerang ready to aim at the trickster as Grodd says, You designed those weapons to kill the Flash. Let's see how well they work on you. Boomerang's obviously struggling to resist, and he's thinking, Must obey. Can't fight Grodd's overwhelming mental power. Trickster is thinking, Forcing me to aim at Captain Boomerang. Jump back to the Flash and the Sentinel on the final panel of page 13. Flash is saying, I accomplished accomplish the, the impossible in your, your world, world, Sentinel. Sentinel. You, can you can do, do the, the same, same in mine. mine. Yes, it's worth the risk. Yeah, clear look at Central here. It's definitely like a, a weird aeroplane shape. First panel of page 14 is a caption that says, Once again, the Sentinel accelerates, taking the Phantom Speedster along. Yep, that's exactly what happens. Sentinel takes off as the caption for panel 2 says, While the Trickster and Captain Boomerang tremble and sweat in the face of death. Yeah, we can see both guys shaking as they're trying to resist taking out their body. Trickster is thinking, Grad's forcing me to pull the trigger. Can't resist. Boomerang thinks, Can't stop myself from throwing this lethal boomerang. Quite a lot going on in panel three. Grodd, for no apparent reason, is saying, Die, Flash. Die a double death. 
which is weird given that it's the two rogues that are about to take each other out. But anyway, while Grodd is saying that, Sentinel rushes through, bundling the cosmic Phantom Flash behind him, and then it's almost like the Phantom Flash merges with his body. Sentinel takes his leave. Very busy panel. Sentinel says, Farewell, Flash. Thank you. And good speed. And then the caption for the final panel of page 14 says, Suddenly, the mental execution spell over the two rogues is broken. They turn to the menacing gorilla in disbelief. Yet they both whirl around. Trickster cries, It's not possible. Tell me I don't see what I see. No one can come back from the dead. Not even the Flash, says Boomer. And as we arrive in the first panel of page 15, it looks as though Grodd is starting to sink to the ground. Why could that be happening? Well, the Flash helpfully thinks, I mustn't let Grodd concentrate, or he'll use his deadly force of mind. So I'm vibrating my body molecules at super speed, shaking him right into the ground. And that continues over the first three panels to then have panel four, where all that's left of Grodd that can be seen is his head popping out of the ground. And Flash thinks, after a drumming like this, and we can see him pummeling Grodd on the top of his head with his fists, Flash continues to think, Grodd won't think straight till he wakes up behind prison bars. The next panel, Boomerang has raised his hands above his head as he says, Don't turn your super speed on us, Flash. We surrender. Trickster says, What's the use of killing Flash if he won't stay dead? Flash looks at them and then gets a close-up in the next panel as he thinks, My body's still racked with aches and bruises. There must have been some slide I took. I guess what I'll never know what the Sentinel really was. An alien? A spirit? Or something beyond human ken? Or something beyond human, Ken, if you're from another part of Scotland. Yes. The final panel then of page 15, the final panel of the story, has a caption that says, Later, after Flash has turned his captives over to the authorities. Yep, Barry's back at home. Iris is coming in the door. Iris says, Darling, where have you been? You look dead tired. Flash wearily takes off his mask and thinks, I wish Iris didn't put it that way. And a small caption tells us, The end. Right, Peter's going to tell you why we did that, listeners. Well, for many reasons. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's an entity outside the universe who's trying to go into the universe. Is it another dimension? Who knows? It's certainly out with our own reality. Yes. So I think that just about qualifies. <laughs> also, it calls back to something we've had a lot recently, and that is Barry's love for virus. And you know how that is one of the driving forces behind his character. And I suppose it also has the Flash dying and coming back to life. Yes, which is something we're going to see maybe... Barry dying and... Mm, yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> yes, we, we had, there, was, there was almost an element of negotiation. <laughs> About whether or not we did this story, listeners, because I think the word I used was tenuous. I didn't really have to get my arm twisted, but there's another story uh-huh. coming up soon, which Peter wasn't too keen on doing, but I said, right. Quid pro quo, Clarice. Yes. If we're doing, if we have to do this Flash story, then we're doing that other story that I want to do, and we'll tell you about that when we get to it. Plus Gorilla Grodd. Yes. Yeah, I mean, true. We Come haven't on. seen Grodd, and anything that lets me do my Captain Boomerang voice is always good. <laughs> An interesting one. Like, the cover is a bit of a lie. Yeah. Because that suggests that the Flash is, they're just on earth and the Flash is going to go and investigate and find his real murderer when that's not really what happened. Mm-hmm. Like, I like the non-linear na- narrative of it. You yeah. know, I like the uh-huh. fact that we we kind of saw the, the effect before we saw the cause and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, you, know, mm-hmm. you know, that really what's happened is Barry's been bumped out of his body, his body's been left behind. I mean, uh-huh. did you not say in their preparation that this was the first Carrie Bates Flash story? It's not the very first one, oh, but right. it's, it's the start of his run. Right, okay. uh, there's a couple of fill-ins on the way, but pretty much from here on in, it's all Carrie Bates. Yeah, so it's I mean it's given given Carrie's involvement in a lot of the the mm-hmm. stuff that goes on. 
and given stuff that goes on between Barry and Iris and has been going on with Barry and Iris, mm. and given that it's only fifteen pages long, I suppose it's so. <laughs> I suppose I'll, I don't mind too much. Yeah, I think the artwork's gorgeous. Yeah, Irv Novik and Dick Giordano work amazingly well together. Yeah, I mean, there's some real moody mm-hmm. inks going on. There's some deep yeah. shadows and stuff. It's obviously a lot of care's been taken there. It's certainly cosmic, and I suppose yes. you know Barry being in another realm. There's even maybe hints of the Speed Force. Yes, I can see that. Uh-huh. You know, which again is something that we should probably sort of mention. I think you know because we did remember mm-hmm. we did Flash One Seven Six, which had him going into dream dimensions. Mm-hmm. You know, we have said many times Barry's really the star of this podcast. Yes, he's the first hero to meet his Golden Age predecessor, etc., and all that. And you know, we followed his adventures very closely. Really, mm-hmm. you know, he's in another realm, stopping an attack from out with the universe. Yeah. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I don't really have too much to add beyond the gorgeous artwork. You know, the the contrast between the, the outer space cosmic stuff yeah. and the, the suffocating warm desert was glorious. I don't really have too much to add. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I love the Carrie Bates running the Flash. And this has got lots of his tropes on it. He, he does things like Gardner Fox would tell the plot and the story. John Broom would give the rogues some weird quirks. But what Carrie does in this is incredible because you've got the Flash out of his body but Carrie lingers with the rogues for a bit. So you've got uh-huh. Boomerang and Trickster, you know, just hanging about, just talking and interacting with each other and trying to figure out the situation and what they're going to do. And they show this weird kind of respect that the rogues have for the Flash. It's it's a really messed up kind of relationship that they have and that they, they want him defeated. They want to outsmart him. They want to better him. They'll kill him if they have to. That's fine. But... Ultimately, they've still got this massive respect for him. Mm-hmm. I always say that being one of the Flash's rogues is harder than being, you know, like a Batman rogue or whatever, because the Flash can do everything instantly. You have to think that much further ahead. You have to, like, the writer as well has to plan out how these villains would commit their crimes. Yes. It's a different way of thinking from setting up, like, a Batman story or like a Wonder Woman story or something, because Flash is all about the speed and how quickly you can do things. So it's really, really cool. And also having Grodd come in is a callback to the first rogue team-up, as it were. The first big yes. rogue team-up, uh-huh. where it's it was actually Grodd that was behind the whole thing. And it's it's just great fun. As I said, I love Carrie Bates running the Flash. It's so, so inventive, so much fun. And he, he does play with the rogues in the style that John Broom did, except he goes further. It's, it's excellent. And yeah, it's sensational. I like the Devourer as well in this. The idea of this shape-changing entity that you can't really tell. It's just in your mind as to what it looks like. Yeah. And yeah, it's its almost like a dream dimension. The fact that it changes its form depending who's looking at it is yeah. quite interesting because obviously mm-hmm. we don't really see what the, the Sentinel be. And who is the Sentinel? Exactly. What's going on there? Uh-huh. How does... How is he, I mean... We're seeing Crisis Infinite Earths. Part, well, that's what I was going to say. Part of me thinks, you know, could this be an early tussle between the Monitor and the Anti-Monitor? Spoilers. Wow. I don't mm-hmm. know. Out with our universe, some kind of a... T- it's, mm. It would be nice if they came back and we got a bit yeah. more. Do they come yeah. back to the best of your knowledge? Uh, no. Sadly, <sighs> see, sadly. That's frustrating in a way because... I know. I mean, that could have been a nice four-part arc that he was setting up there or mm-hmm. something. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's the trouble sometimes, the one and done. You know, good ideas that just kind of get thrown yeah. away. There's a, there's a lot more going on there. Yeah. Grodd's fantastic in this as well. I mean, Irvinovic's Ir- portrayal of Grodd. See that second panel on page nine? He's got two fingers out as if he should be holding a cigar in it uh, with a big cheesy grin. It's it's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. And, I've, and a thing I forgot to mention, you've got Captain Boomerang and the Trickster out camping 
in the desert yes. as a hideout, just yeah. to hide away. Yeah, that's that's, that's good as well. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I wonder if they were influenced in even doing that by Grodd. Possibly, yeah, you never know. Yes. But, oh, fantastic stuff. Absolutely fantastic stuff. I wonder how Grodd got there. He doesn't seem to have any vehicle and they're out in the middle of nowhere. Trixer can run in air. Captain Boomerang can hold on to Boomerang and fly. Can Grodd teleport? Mm, no, not really. Uh, well, maybe he could twist his force of mind and do something. Maybe he got a lift off someone using force of mind. Mm. Who knows? Who knows? We mm. don't need to know. That's not important. <laughs> I'd quite like to know. <laughs> Justify doing the story. Grodd, Grodd just got there. That's fine. Maybe he was there all along. Mm. It was, And they turned around and they were all Grodd. So. <laughs> yes. And it's interesting, given that a lot of the contemporary correspondence we've done recently has been people complaining about the covers just having the Flash crying and a complete lack of supervillain activity. So it's nice that they've probably listened or maybe listened and we've had, you know, three prominent Flash super baddies come back. Yep. And they, they've upped the stakes as well by having the Flash dead in the cover. Yes, and he is, so. and he doesn't seem too upset about it. He seems quite confident <laughs> with the cover that he's going to be able to deal with it. So, um, yeah, here we are. Fantastic yeah. stuff. So, shall we have a look at what the the contemporary readers had to say? Let's do this. So we'll jump forward to Flashgrams from issue two hundred and twelve. And interestingly, Flash's boots in this logo at the top have been miscolored blue. Yes, I noticed that. That's fascinating. <laughs> I don't like the look of it at all. It's bizarre. So our first letter. Dear Editor, with the coming of the Flash 209, I am ready to forgive you for wasting most of the past three years on dull human interest stories and feeble <laughs> attempts at good science fiction. Here we are. Beyond the Speed of Life was truly a classic, one of the best Flash stories that I've ever read. Mm. Amazingly, it wasn't just because of the inclusion of the trickster Captain Boomerang and Grodd that I liked it either, although I was overjoyed to finally see them in action again. Speed of Life was one of the most well-plotted and suspenseful stories I've seen in ages. Carrie Bates, who up till now never impressed me much, has Gosh. finally realised his potential. It seems as if he took all the best elements of The Flash and put them all together. The villains and the nice break with tradition did not have the entire story built around them. Instead, they only tended to serve the plot. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. The episode with the Sentinel was well handled also and was brilliantly illustrated by Novik and Giordano. I liked all the little touches, especially Captain Boomerang's apparent sadness over Flash's death. Yay. It was a nice, subtle touch that provided good characterisation while not going overboard. Hopefully, you'll start printing more villain stories now instead of going back into the rot you were in. And hopefully, they'll be good. And that's from Steve Johnson, Virginia Beach, VA. Steve Johnson. Now there's like an action hero name. Absolutely. Like yes. David Steele. Yes. <laughs> and the editorial response refers to an upcoming story that we will be covering on the podcast. Yes, they suggest it's going to take place in issue 210, but it doesn't. And that's all we're going to say because we want to tease you a little bit. There we are. Straight yes. into the next letter. Dear editor, a lot of meaningless things pop up on comics covers. Comics with an X again. This really bugs us. Mm. But it seems that bigger and better is no idle boast. Apparently, the move to a larger magazine has got the people at DC really hopping. But, to tell the truth, Flash 209 really surprised me. Like several other titles, I bought Flash merely to keep up my collection. Nothing changes, does it? Same. Yeah, I still buy it every month and I haven't read it in years. <laughs> oh, but giving up on a character I used to enjoy. In the meantime, I've turned into a kind of science fiction freak. My ideal of a comics story was one based on a hero with a normal or realistic home life involved in an intriguing but simple sci-fi situation. I now have kissed off the heroes that have so many hang-ups that they're ready for the psycho ward. Beyond the Speed of Life interested me from the moment I read the title. Carrie Bates came in with my dream story, including a, can it be possible, 
totally human trickster and Captain Boomerang. Earth Novik's pencils always leave me guessing. It seems occasionally he has an off day, although he's adjusted to Flash quite well. I hope Dick Giordano stays around for a while, for he may well be your best inker that's come along. Before this letter gets out of hand, I'll just say for the first time I really enjoyed the Kid Flash solo spots. Heck, if this keeps up, I won't even notice how much bread I put out for your mags. And that's from John Potter from Van News, California. Editorial response doesn't really say very much, to be honest, and apply to the, the correspondent there. And the next letter continues saying, Dear Editor, Beyond the Speed of Life certainly was. It almost killed me to read it. Gosh, the first page left me with one happy thought. Perhaps, just perhaps, Carrie Bates might leave Flash dead. That would be original. Alas, it was not to be. Well, <laughs> the inclusion of Captain Boomerang and Tricky. Tricky? Tricky. Interesting. Okay. Was typically Bates. No imagination used. Gosh, no <gasps> new twist involved. Grod was worse. Peter is going nuts in the corner here, listeners. Grod was worse. Yeesh. The Sentinel was the only interesting touch in the whole magazine, though underdeveloped, he, she, it, was left to our imagination. Good. However, let's hope no more superior aliens are introduced. I'm getting an inferiority complex. The Devourer was a pathetically overdone creature. His demise was so hokey, I could scarcely retain a straight face. Yes, it was all a bit arbitrary, wasn't it? You know, Barry jumps up and down in a spot, and then, you know, it wasn't like he had a conversation with it or anything like that, you know? Well, it's like trying random things. It's an unexpected way to solve yeah. the problem. It's not responding to normal stimulus, so you have to try it some Can random Can you tell thing. listeners that Peter wanted to do this story more than I did? <laughs> <laughs> the correspondent continues. Novik, Giordano, yes, more, more. Ditto, Dylan Giordano. But not even the latter's art could save Kid Flash's Coincidence Can Kill. That was a backup story. And I paid 25 cents, quarter dollar for this turkey. And that letter is from Matthew Graham, Granada Hills, California. And I'm wondering... Is that the same Matthew Graham that would later work on Life on Mars and Ashes to Ashes and write the, the Doctor Who episode Fear Her? Probably not. There's no editorial response, so Peter's going to read the final letter. No editorial response, but I've got a response for Matthew Graham if I ever meet him in a dark alley. <laughs> the final letter says, Dear Editor, With stories like Flash, Factor Fiction and the latest Beyond the Speed of Life, Carrie Bates definitely shows a penchant for creating out-of-the-way places, like a dimension where the Flash is only a comics magazine. Oh, please, stop saying comics (laughs) with an X. And a place where life is a matter of opinion. And with stories like that, Carrie has demonstrated an ability to be the greatest of all Flash writers. Hear, hear. Add to this healthy imagination a keen way with dialogue. Carrie knows how to add little things to the dialogue to make it more interesting, like Flashy's fervent, but I'm alive, I hope. Like Boomerang's quiet puzzlement over Flashy's simple demise. Dynamite, out of sight, right on, let it be, brothers. Oh, you let us down there at the end, Carl Meris. San Diego, California, there we are. That was fun. A mixed bit of correspondence. Yes, one I entirely disagree with, and the rest is quite good. <laughs> yes but that doesn't stop you from corresponding with us and letting us know whether you think this is a story that falls within the criteria <laughs> of the Earth 2 podcast does it fall into a remit of the development of the DC Comics multiverse hmm. yeah it probably mm-hmm. does it probably does yeah. a stretch and yeah <laughs> let us know either way let us know and it's nice to do a story that isn't 25 pages <laughs> true 
Make sure you follow us on social media because we're putting up some lovely bonus material for this and indeed every episode on Facebook and Instagram. We're at the Earth 2 Podcast and on Twitter at podcast underscore Earth 2. If you're feeling generous, or after reading that story, you might not, you can go to wherever it is you receive your podcast and leave us a positive review. That'd be lovely. And if you're feeling super generous, you can go to our coffee page and pay Peter the price of a beverage for making you suffer through this short story. <laughs> this was an awesome short story and you well, know it, sir. You know it, sir. It, yes, it looked very good. It was very interesting. And it's, yeah, it was suitably cosmic and it hinted at other realms outside mm-hmm. home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Excellent. Once again, I win the game. <laughs> yes, but we, we're still doing that Supergirl story, so I win. <laughs> on that bombshell, I've been Peter. I've been David. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again very soon on... The Earth yeah, 2 Podcast. Transmatter Cube activated. Return coordinate set for Earth Prime. Wait a sec, Captain Boomerang. Some, I'm, I'm sending a stroke now. Yes. Wait a sec, Captain Boomerang. Something's dropped. So I know. Because <laughs> it's seen Boomerang. We are, we are beyond, beyond the bounds of, of your universe. universe. Beyond, beyond what, what you, you call... call... No, no, say that again. again.